Okay, with Paul Morsoff, An Instance of a Guilty Mind is the winner of a screenplay winner for at the Horror Underground Film Festival. Really interesting script. Uh, rave reviews from our, at least our community, I'm sure is getting rave reviews at other festivals as well and other screenplay contests as well. I guess this is really about a true crime novelist who becomes part of the story, I guess, right? So instead of being an observer, she kind of like mistakenly becomes part of the story, I guess, right? Yeah, she, uh, while trying to get the scoop on, you know, her competition or to make her book stand out, she ends up wrapping herself up into the story deeper than she imagined. Um, and uh, sometimes the drive to be the best or get to the top comes with some pretty hefty sacrifices. And this is and this is kind of a story about about an industry, obviously with podcasts and like obviously novelists. This is a huge multi-billion-dollar industry. People love this stuff, this these kind of crime podcasts and crime novels, I guess, right? So you're kind of jumping on that that trend. Yeah, a little bit. It's kind of interesting because this started out as um, I wanted to do a short film, and I wanted I had this idea of what would it like, what would it take. Because I had read some stories and uh, about you know a serial killer that used hypnosis on his victims, and basically to get them to forget what had happened to them, and if they if the hypnosis worked, then he would actually release them, and if it didn't work, then you know they were killed. And so I was thinking, like, what would it take? So the idea for the original short is to actually see the hypnosis taking place, where it's like showing him pictures of crime scenes, you know, saying you did this, you did this, and how, what it would take to make someone believe that they were guilty of this. Yeah. And as they started doing more research, I started to unravel the hows and the whys, and then the story just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I was like, okay, so we have, say we have a death row inmate, who would be the person interested in talking to that? I said, well, there's true crime, you know, a big true crime fan myself. Mm -hmm. So I actually went to pick up some true crime books just to, familiarize myself more with that industry and it just kind of went from there and it just now was kind of when I started the script and you know that's when there was a there's always been a fascination with true crime uh, I remember one of the first books I read is because we had it at the house was Helter Skelter because my mom read it yeah so and I was thinking like how old were you when you read that I was like fourth or fifth grade so you were like uh, nine ten years old about that yeah uh, and, uh, do you want your kids to you know if you have kids? Would you want your nine-year-old kid to watch that film? Uh, no, my, that uh, no, my oldest is ten, and um, I don't think she can handle that. So I don't think it's kind of one of those weird things. I think about that a lot as a parent because there's a lot of movies and books and things like that that I would had access to when I was a kid that I don't think I'd let my kids watch now. Yeah, but I think my parents were lenient because even at a young age, I I knew. I maybe not knew how the special effects were done, but I knew it was special effects. I knew it was fake. Yeah. So my fascination with, you know, Freddy Krueger and Jason and all that stuff was more along the lines of how did they do that as opposed to. But Helter Skelter is, is based, people don't know. It's based on the Hanson murders, right? Which is a real thing. That That was a real thing. And honestly, I was kind of, I remember watching, um, I think it was a made for TV movie around that time i remember watching that with my mom <laughs> and um <laughs> she was a big beetle fan too a big beetles household that's actually where i got the name paul um and i was and so i it was a new it's basically it's like it was seen as news like that's a real case that's real yeah. so that's just kind of how that developed 
I don't remember if they knew that I read the book or if I just took it and read it, but I remember watching the like the made for TV movie with my mom. So I also remember watching Poltergeist with my mom at a young age too, which later on she was very confused at why I liked horror movies so much. And I'm like, we sat here on like Saturday afternoons watching Poltergeist. Like <laughs> so so to jump back, so you're this, you wanted to make a short because you made shorts before, you directed shorts before, but this, then it turned into a feature or what? Yeah, this, and the story it, just, it turned into a feature, but you kind of wanted to write a short script based on yeah, that? Yeah, well, yeah, I originally wanted to do a short based on the idea and the story just kept evolving to a point where I was like, and I just fell in love with the characters. I fell in love with the story and I was like, I can't do this as a short. I want to say the first draft was close to 130 pages. And I was like, eh, so that's a bit much. So I had to pare that down. But it was honestly just once I wrote the outline and I did a bunch of research, read books on hypnosis, read interviews with serial killers, um, you know, read, you know, dive into the true crime world. And it was just too much of a story to contain in short. So it just it just went from from there to a feature pretty quickly. Gotcha. Okay. So then, so then, so then do you want, is like, there's like a, there's like some, I guess, can you can amalgamate, make into a short, I guess, this kind of idea, I guess, but you've already moved past that. You're kind of like, this is a, this is the feature, I guess. I think if I was to do a short, I think I would pick a section of it Yeah. and do a short more as like a sizzle reel. Like if I was saying, you know, if I was going to pitch this to a production company, I think I would start with like, yeah, proof of concept. This is like the tone, the feel, you know, and I think I would take just a snippet of it or make a trailer or something like that. I do love shorts. Um, I write short scripts a lot just because I get a like weird idea in yeah. the middle of the night and I go, oh, that might be, yeah. and then, you know, just a scene. And then if there's, if it's just a cool scene or a cool concept, five to 10 pages, I'll knock it out and go, okay, that's a short that I'll keep that. And you never know, I might get to film it someday. Okay, so I want to I want to talk about your uh, your short rest stop uh, because it's based on Stephen King's book and people don't I, I you can explain more than I do but I remember when I read I was reading a book about him in the '90s and he said that if you you can you can make my short stories into a, into a film all I need all I'm asking is that I need to, I need you have to give me a copy of it and, and yes. that's all that I ask for right is I so that's what you did yeah you can actually go on his website. And there's actually a drop-down list of what short stories are available. Um, you click on it, you fill out, you basically you're emailing them and saying why you want to do this particular story. Yeah. They email you a contract and it's like an option agreement. And then you email it back with a dollar. And once they receive it, you get an email saying, okay, you have the rights. Now you don't have exclusive rights. I think while we were in production for Rest Stop, there was two other versions of rest stop being made at the same time. Okay. Uh, I think actually at one festival or not, that wasn't a festival, it was a Rochester, New York. There was a museum a couple of years ago that did a, the film and television museum and they did a, a Stephen King thing. And they basically wanted to screen a bunch of shorts based off of Stephen King. And I want to say my version of rest stop and someone else's version of rest stop played at the same thing, just on different nights. So, okay. um, and you have the rights for a year and I may send a Blu-ray to his office. I don't know if you ever watched it, I don't know what he thought, but who knows, yeah. right? Yeah, I hope we got a kick out of it. No, because she, I remember reading a book. I remember this is going back. I'm old, so I'm this is going back 20, 20 years ago. And I was fascinated by this because he that's how we got to know Frank Darabont, who basically directed Shawshank, because he made yes. a short film in film school 
based on one of his short stories and he watched it. He said he watches them all, but probably you're right. Maybe, I don't know. I, I have a feeling this guy doesn't seem to sleep. He writes like two books a year, right? So, right. <laughs> so, maybe that, so like he's proficient and he can, I have a feeling he does because I think that he's, he's always on the lookout. Right. And I, and I think that, he, and that's how he got to know Frank Darabont who ended up obviously directing Shawshank Redemption, which is the, and then also his other movie. I, he escapes my mind right now. What's the movie with Tom Hanks that he did? Oh, Green Mile. Green Mile. Yeah. So basically, yeah. so, and I was fascinated. I'm like, why aren't people, like, I was past film school. I'm like, why aren't people taking advantage of this? Like, if they're, like, because, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's already a concrete, tight, short, short story, right? Like, it's mm. like, I don't know. Anyways, so it's a genius on your part because, like, it's a very good film that you, you made. So it, 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 I guess it did well for yourself, I guess, right? Yeah, it was um, it was one of those things where it was a, it was the first time I had directed anything. Um, originally, I got it because I wanted to, as a writer, I wanted to flex the adaptation muscle. I wanted to see if I had the capability of adapting something into a viable script. Mm -hmm. um, so that was the original, and then um, I wrote another ad adaptation. I was hired to write uh, for a short, and I did that and. I helped with the production and brought some friends in to help. It was very, very low budget. And while we were on set for that, we started talking about, hey, we can do this ourselves. And right off the bat, my friend Chris was like, you still have the rights to rest stop, don't you? Yeah. I was like, yeah. He's like, you have a script still, right? Like, yeah. He's like, we should shoot that. And you should direct it. And I was like, ah, I'm not directing. Uh, I'm a writer. And then he kind of, over the next couple of weeks, he kind of Jedi mind tricked me into directing it. And... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I loved it. I really did. I really loved the idea of directing and had a great cast and great crew. And it was a really great experience. And I'm very proud of the film. I think we did a really good job. Yeah, you should be. And uh, and it's like so that sort of like just a job like it was a see you want. Obviously, you want to make another short. That's why mm -hmm. you come came up with this idea, I guess, and then turned into a feature script. So you you want to make another short. I guess that's that's the, the seed of it, I guess. Right. Yeah. And actually, I had plans to do it this summer. Um, to, to try to do some small things that I could film in my house, you know, bring some friends over on the weekend. Um, right now we're going through kind of a forced remodel because of a leak upstairs. But once that's all said and done, I kind of want to go back to that plan just to kind of um, keep making content. Um, and also I, there's some cool ideas that just pop in my head. That's like, that's a good five, six minute, you know, short to be fun. It's not enough for a feature. There's yeah, not enough yeah. for a feature, but but you know, if I if I want to write it, something can shoot pretty easily over a couple weekends and edit together and put something put something out there. And there's so many tools and technology now. Um, I'm not a young man either, so I remember when I first started writing in my early 20s with a buddy of mine. We were trying to figure out how to film a movie ourselves. And the equipment just wasn't there. It was too expensive. It was just, it wasn't what it is now where you can get a camera on the cheap and you can get editing software relatively expensively. You can really dig into it and do yeah. a lot of stuff on your own. So it's kind of like, it's kind of expected from writers. I, I feel myself as a writer first, but even as a writer, you're expected, if you have a script, it's like, okay, you also need a lookbook, you know, attach talent. Uh, sizzle reel or something to go along with it instead of just hey here's this great script so what is your like uh so how did you get into this uh 
in this world of like screenwriting, filmmaking, like when did the when did like the, the bug catch you? Did you like so that I've always been a huge movie fan and I started, you know, I read a lot in high school and I wrote short stories and but I had zero confidence. So I'd write short stories, but I'd never show anybody. And I, I had a teacher my sophomore year and that actually encouraged me to write more and actually gave me assignments for the purpose of being able to write creatively. And that, that was a huge boost for me. Um, screenwriting came around. I was um, in my early 20s and I had, I think I'd read one script at that point. And I worked, I was in the, up in the middle of the night and I decided to uh, find a book on screen or look up screenwriting courses yeah. and realized very quickly that I couldn't afford them. And so I was like, well, if I can't afford them, maybe I can find what books they use in the course. And I came across Sid Field's screenplay and went ahead and ordered that and burned through that cover to cover and then started writing terrible scripts almost immediately. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then I had a friend of mine who's also was wanting to be a comedy writer. So we worked as a writing team for a few years, just writing stuff we thought was hilarious, but it just never went anywhere. And then we started going, um, I started kind of, I'm like a big horror guy. So we started kind of going to more serious stuff and we kind of hit a point where, <clears throat> we kind of hit a point where he was like, this is the stuff I want to write. You want to write this stuff. So we, we kind of went our separate ways to <clears throat> continue writing, but still help each other out, like cheek each other's work. And, you know, we just weren't going to write projects together anymore. Yeah. And, but um, yeah, so then I ended up finally, I, a few, uh, let's see, geez, probably about 10 years ago now, or I don't know, 15 years ago now, I went ahead and did finally sign up for a screenwriting course with the New York Film Academy. And I did that at night while I was working during the day. And I learned a lot. I was fortunate enough to where the class I was in during the summer, I was the only student. What do you mean so you're I, the student? Uh, they, they called me up and they said, because um, they had different night courses. And there was three of them over the summer. And our three of them spread out through the year. And I signed up for the summer one. And they called me up and they said, you're the only person that signed up for this particular class. The, if you want, we can move you to a different class, but the instructor's okay with just having you in the class if that's what you want to do. And based on my work schedule at the time, I said, well, this is, I picked this one because it's the only one that I can do. So they made an agreement and the instructor called me. So I had 12 weeks, um, two nights a week, one-on-one -on -one time with this writer and just, you know, I, he would give me assignments. I would write stuff. I'd give it to him, tear it apart, give me notes. I'd fix it, come back. Like just, it was kind of like a, like a masterclass on screenwriting with one-on-one -on -one with a professional screenwriter. I never um, heard such a thing. Cause usually like they, they'll cancel the class if only one person signs up. Right. So yeah, I, I think because I agreed to it and the professor agreed to it, they went ahead and did it. Because so, you have to pay the professor, so generally, from a capitalistic standpoint, you you it get make sense, paid, no. right? You know <laughs> what I mean. And then all of a sudden, that's how the teacher can get paid because there's yeah. students plural in the class, I guess, right? And I, I guess one thing that the um, how it worked out is it was supposed to be three nights a week, but because the classes were in LA, and I worked in Highland and live in San Bernardino, and we broke, we said, well, to save you some drive time you're the only one there we'll, we'll drop it down to two nights a week instead of three nights a week so yeah i was like 
okay that works for me so so that's what i did it was really and i had a i had a draft of a, actually a draft of a really fun action script by the time we were done with that and um it taught me a lot and it kind of showed me how fast i could write if i needed to and gotcha. yeah so so do you mind uh saying what you do like so you have like a side job i guess while you're like yeah actually um i'm i'm a concrete and steel inspector inspector for a consulting company um so i uh and i i write you know i i go to facilities that you know make bridge girders and things like that and i go there and do final inspection before they produce material and ship it to job sites so you're the guy that they they're they're worried about the contractors are worried about when you when you show up i guess right sometimes depending on the place most places they run a pretty tight ship so i'm just there for uh, dot and i's and crossing t's so it's um it's a mutual respect, but it's uh, but no, but it's something I've been, I got into the, this industry um, in 2007 and kind of just kind of jumped into it and been doing it ever since. And so like, do you, do you ever have to like decline uh, like someone's project? Um, periodically, but it's not to say full on, like, oh, it's just if something doesn't match exactly to what, um, the job spec is. Um, I have to basically write everything up and then the engineer on the project gets final say. Yeah. So they look at all the evidence before them and the engineer determines if it's still a viable product. And then they go from there. So gotcha. I'm, more of the, I'm more of the eyes and ears on the ground for the, the engineer on the project. So who like so what so they, 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 I, I'm just sure I know you don't want to talk about probably just curious <laughs> about like who's funding like so who like is it the government that needs to do this like I'm just curious like why like just the, for the example the project I'm on now is um, <clears throat> a project for the city of Victorville. So okay. the co- the company I worked for was hired by the city by the city okay gotcha to, it's a privatized to, company but it's usually hired by. Like they're they're branching out instead of having yeah. uh, the city having uh, an organization like set up for this what you do for a living they kind of privatize out the, the contract I guess yeah. right yeah because you have the the contractors doing the work and then you have the subcontractors that are fabricating it they have their own QC department and then I'm QA so we're kind of two sides of the same coin and yeah. it's just that's just making making sure that all the information going to the engineer matches and everything's good. So you got to make a uh, horror movie about someone like like getting buried in concrete, I guess, right? Well, the thing is, I go to a lot of concrete yards, and sometimes I'm there overnight um, because you know it's it's hot during the summer, so a lot of these places work early and overnight. Yeah, and I'm in the you go look around their storage areas and look around, like man, I could film some really cool stuff here. Like, yeah, really totally. Cool. And a lot of times, like, because I'm not shy about you know my love of film and writing and things like that, so I'll talk to people who work there. And there's places I've gone to. It's like, oh, anytime you want to film something, let us know. This would be really cool. And like, yeah, there's there's still that there's people that the idea of being a part of or being in a movie, um, really exciting. Yeah. And yeah. there's you know, now granted, sometimes you won't realize that when you're actually on set and filming, there's a lot of downtime and it's boring. You know, for people just hanging out and watching when you're working, it's like it doesn't yeah. feel like that at all. You're constantly moving. Um, but it's just it's just the whole there's still the there's still that movie magic mystique that people feel when the idea of oh you made a movie that's like and you're, trust me 15 years ago the idea of someone said oh yeah you you know you're gonna write and direct a short film and like yeah. crazy and, um, 
I'm not a director. I, I don't do that stuff, you know, but it's, it's, you know, but yeah, no, I, I you, a lot co- of you co-wrote a screenplay with Stephen King, right? So, <laughs> and that was one thing is like, I, I, uh, I remember reading an interview with him where someone had asked him about that and about the short films. And he said he did watch them all. And out of all of them, there's only like a handful that he really liked. Yeah. But he wouldn't, he wouldn't I say remember that. that too. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you know, I think that, you know, but kind of circling back, I think that opened a can of worms because if he came out and said, oh, I really like this one, then he'd have 50 other filmmakers. What do you think of mine? So. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's one of those things. Right. So it's like, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just like I said, it's a genius. It's great that he does that. It's a genius idea. And I, I don't know. I'm sure more people jumped on his his uh, coattails and kind of came up with the same thing. But it was very smart for you to do. It's like I said, it's a very good, solid short film. So, so you're doing the screenplay. It's, I hope it's doing well at whatever festivals you're submitting to. And uh, it's doing well for yourself. And I think that you, I guess you need to make a short film, I guess, right? Yeah, I, actually, I'd love to make this as a feature. I know. Um, but me, I mean, but, you know, realistically, a short film would be really great. And then, you know, there's also those other, uh, there's other uh, projects that I'm working on writing, trying to get out there. And uh, Innocence is, it, it's one of those stories that just felt, I hate to sound cliche, but it kind of felt magical as I was writing it. Yeah. <clears throat> usually, um, I, li- I'm, I love rewriting, and I, I usually hate the first draft of anything. Like, I usually push myself to get the first draft done and then it's okay now the first draft's done now the fun begins i can rewrite um innocence was the first one and still the only one where i enjoyed writing the first draft i just it i I hammered out that first draft from from not including research but from the point in time i wrote the outline to where i finished the first draft of the script was about six weeks oh wow and that's with working full time and having a family and all that stuff. So I, you know, and I just, once I finished it, it was like, I just felt like a you know, really good sense of pride. And then when I went back and doing the rewrites, it just seemed like every time I passed it, it just, it just, I enjoyed it more and more and had more fun with it. And um, it's really, so I really, it's something I'm proud of. I, I really do feel this script is, uh, it, I hope it gets made someday. I would love to see this on screen and sit back and watch it and enjoy it. It kind of made me, you know, I love going to the movies in the nineties and seeing stuff like seven signs of the lambs, like all these fantastic, you know, gritty nineties thrillers. Yeah. And, you know, and I kind of wanted to take my love of that and throw in a little saw and some other stuff and make something that I felt like reflected a movie that I wanted to see. And yeah. I'm very proud. I'm very proud of it. Well, yeah, you should be. It's, uh, it's, it's awesome because it's, yeah, it's a really, it's a really tight script and uh, yeah, that's why we're talking. It's like, it's pretty, it's pretty solid. So congrats on that. Congrats on your like uh, success. And uh, yeah, I think you got some great ideas. So let's talk again when uh, either when you have a, inspired to make write another screenplay or, uh, or you make that sure turn that or turn this into a proof of concept or you make another kind of uh, other short film. Cause uh, I'm sure you're, you're going to be doing something pretty soon. So. Oh yeah, and um, I, I tell you, if I get the proof of concept going, or I get some, uh, do a yeah, short. I'll exactly. send, you a cop, send you a copy of it and see what you think. Perfect. All right, thanks for the talk. I appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate you. Thank you very much.
Interior, San Quentin State Prison. Interview room. Later. Rebecca has a notepad in front of her, along with a digital recorder. The door opens, and one guard comes in with a handcuffed Victor Brantley, who looks every bit of his 56 years. Good morning, Victor. The guard takes off the cuffs, and he sits down. I wasn't sure if you were coming back or not. I want to give you one more shot to tell me everything. The guard nods to Rebecca and leaves the room. I've told you all that I can remember, I think. Not sure if there's anything else. Just start at the beginning. You know the deal. Rebecca slides him an unopened pack of cigarettes and a book of matches. Victor sighs to himself and opens the cigarettes. Lights one, savors the first hit, and nods. I saw Janice walking to her car. It's a very humid night. There's sweat getting in my eyes, but I can't wipe it away. Rebecca lays her pen down. I pull up beside and grab her. She's in the back now, not moving. Victor, this is the exact same story you told me last time, and the time before that. She holds up the digital recorder and hits play. I saw Janice walking to her car. It's a very humid night. There's sweat getting in my eyes, but I can't wipe it away. Victor stares at his hands as Rebecca turns off the recorder. There has to be something. It's your story. Your legacy. Legacy? I don't want to be remembered for this. The only reason I agreed to this is because I like the visits. I just want to know why. Why you woke up one day and decided to abduct, torture, and murder three women. I don't remember. I just know that I hurt those girls and I'm going to pay for it. Victor puts his cigarette out and folds his arms. Interior, Rebecca's car, day. She starts the car and pulls out her phone. There are two missed calls. Shit. She hits the phone icon on the digital display on the dashboard and hits the number four speed call. Calling Brad Simpson. Interior, Brad Simpson's office, continuous. Pictures line the wall of Brad Simpson, 50s, from fishing trips, golf courses, and red carpets with the rich and famous. He picks up on the second ring. Intercut, telephone conversation. I see that you remember how phone works. I've been busy trying to crack this guy, so drop the damn attitude. It's not helping. Sorry. We missed another deadline, which is really weird since I have the manuscript already. It's not ready. Looks ready to me. It's missing something. I need more than that. This way we can still get the ebook out on time. And it will be boring, just like other books on him that came out. I can deliver something that no one else can. What? I don't know yet, but he trusts me and... And... I don't know. Rebecca, I trust you too, but this has got to get done. The publisher is talking about a return on your advance. Rebecca clicks off of the call. She pulls the car into gear and hits the speed dial again. Calling Caitlin Burns.